turn to Amos, um, the book of Amos, which of course comes after the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, but it's toward the front of the minor prophets after Hosea. I'm beginning to read with verse 9, and I will read through to the verse 12, the end of verse 12. Beginning to read then in verse 9, hear now the word of the Lord. And it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord God, that I will make the sun go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in a broad daylight. In broad daylight, I will turn your feasts into mourning, and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist, and baldness on every head. I will make it like mourning, that is mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. I will make it like mourning for an only son, and its end like a bitter day. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east, and shall run to the seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. May the Lord bless this reading to our good understanding. Well, we, we come today for just a one-off sermon on the book of Amos. Um, this is a verse that I've heard preached across the land a, a number of times in the last year. Because I think a number of men see that that is the kind of position or situation that we're in. There seems to be a famine of the hearing of the word of God. There's a famine of the word of God, namely just the reading of the word or the preaching of the word. Many people pass by it or disdain it. But even more seriously, even where the word is preached, people often just, uh, they don't have the power to hear it. So the very obvious things that ought to encourage them just pass them by because their ears are stopped up because the Lord has done the, uh, the deafening. The Lord has worked to uh, bypass the word of God so that though the word of God is a testimony to the people, they cannot hear it. So I wanted to talk about that this morning uh, for ourselves and consider it with the sermon outlined there in the bottom with these five points, all having to do with the calamity of this problem of not being able to hear the word of God. So you've got to ask yourself when I begin, I mean, don't, don't just sit there and think, well, he's speaking about a situation that's out there, yes, but it doesn't really apply to me. The question is, how are you hearing the word of God? When the Word of God is read in your home, when you when you read the Word of God yourself, do you really have, do you have a capacity to hear it? Has the Holy Spirit opened up your ears, or are you among the afflicted? Are you in the midst of the Word of God, but your ears are not really hearing it? Uh, your ears are not really, your heart is not really made glad. <clears throat> but what you see in the Word of God. When I come to the Word of God, even when I feel somewhat dead on the outside, it doesn't take me but a few verses where I begin to be enthused because I just hear God speaking to me. I hear His, and to hear Him speaking to me reminds me that He exists, uh, that He calls Himself in the Bible the Living God. There are many gods that people have. There are many gods that people of which people speak. 
But there's only one God that's really alive and living. And his word is living and active like a two-edged sword, the Bible says. So are you hearing that? Does your heart leap within you? And what if it doesn't? What if you find yourself in the situation where you say, yeah, I hear the word of God too often and it has too little effect upon me. What do you do? Is there no recourse? Uh, is, there not, is there no remediation to be done? Of course not. When we see ourselves and feel ourselves deaf to the word of God, we need to throw ourselves upon our faces in prayer and ask God to be merciful unto us. I don't know how many times I do that in my life. Please, God, I can just see that my ears are not hearing what they should be hearing. I'm not excited to where I should be excited. And so I pray, God, please open up my ears and my heart. How can I preach to the people? How can I be a light unto the Gentiles? If there's no light in me. So we always have the opportunity to pray. And, and God says, whether we feel it or not, we need to read the word of God. We need to listen to the word of God. We need to make ourselves available to it. Just like in a marriage. You may not feel, you may not feel totally enthusiastic about the love that you have for your wife or your husband or your children. But what does the, what does the Bible say? Does it say, well, just, just roll over and languish in your coldness and in your deadness. No, the Bible says love. Love your husband, love your wife, love the Lord. So, and, and very often as we push ourselves to do the things we know we're supposed to do, the Holy Spirit warmly draws near to us and encourages us in the very thing that we just, a moment before we're having trouble doing. And we say, oh yes, there you are, Lord. You are, you are active. You are the living God. You are there to encourage me in my heart. So, um, this this passage speaks about this famine of the hearing of the word of God. Now, a couple things by way of introduction. We have not been preaching on Amos, but just a couple things. Amos was alive. Um, the years are roughly uh, 760 to 734 B.C. So, uh, seven centuries before the coming of Christ, Amos was prophesied, and um, that's a long time. That's a long time before the coming of Christ. Uh, it's it's further back for us. It's it's just a little bit further than the Reformation is before us. The Reformation took place in the 1500s. Here we are in the year 2022. So if you subtract 700 years from uh, 2000, you know you get back just before the Reformation. So it's, it's actually longer uh, than before the Reformation when, when Amos was prophesying. He was prophesying after the kingdom had been divided. He, and he was prophesying in the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom fell apart faster than the southern kingdom. Uh, the northern kingdom was called uh, Israel or Ephraim. The southern kingdom was called uh, Israel or Judah. And, uh, and so Israel or Ephraim was weaker than Judah. Judah lasted longer than Ephraim. Uh, Amos was born not too far from Bethlehem, outside of in, in Judah in the south, uh, not too far from uh, Jerusalem. And so he was, but he was called to preach in the north. And so one of the burdens that uh, that Amos had. 
like the Son of God. It was like Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus Christ came. He was he was from heaven, but he came down and he was a foreigner in this land where he ministered and prophesied. And so was Amos. Amos was a uh, a southerner, a Judah a Judahite, preaching in Ephraim. And you better believe the way people are, the way people behave. They will find any reason they can not to like you or to, to separate you out or to be prejudiced against you. If you're if you're black, they don't like black. If you're black, if you're black, then you don't like white people. You know, I mean, by instinct. Uh, if you're from the north, you don't like people from the south. If you're from the south, you don't like people from the north. That's the way we are as people. And so Amos, this is one of the burdens that he and uh, his name Amos means burden. This is one of the burdens that Amos fought. And just like Jesus had no place to lay his head, right? The Bible says our Lord Jesus was always a kind of alien in his own land. So Amos was an alien in his land. He went to prophesy in the north, but he was a southerner. And so the people held it against him that he was, a, he was you know, how dare these men of Judah come? prophesy unto us. Forget the fact that he was preaching the word of God and the word of God is relevant to us whether we're from the north or the south whether we're black or white, whatever our circumstances, God's word is relevant to us. But uh, Amos had that burden that um, that uh, uh, he bore. Uh, also, Amos was a very forceful preacher, a very forceful prophet and because the kingdom had been divided, and politics were very, a very active thing in that day. And because he was a forceful prophet, when people heard him being so articulate and so condemnatory as he is here about the uh, the reign of sin in the land, warning them, telling them that there was going to be a famine that would fall upon them of the hearing of the word of God, the the people very often took and they interpreted politically what Amos meant uh, mostly spiritually. Now, we all know that the, that the spirit affects the rest of our lives. That our, our faith affects the way we behave uh, politically, the way, we have, the way we behave culturally. It affects it or the way we, uh, uh, the way we deal with each other maritally. In terms of our families and our marriages, the, the word of God affects us in every way, uh, all, all things considered. But here he was from Judah, and uh, the, there was this jealousy between the north and the south. People from the north were always suspicious that the south would try to reconquer them by, by force of arms. And so the people interpreted Amos preaching about the poor spirits that he found, the, the the, the poor spirituality, the, the lack of faith that they had in the they interpreted that as being an anti, an, a political statement. And they, they saw Amos as one who was trying to subvert them in terms of their kingdom. So you, you see, when we are, uh, and, and, and we see this today in, in America and, and around the world, where, uh, for instance, in China, <clears throat> Chinese government takes the, the, the rise of the Christian church there. They, they hear the people having some joy in the Lord, and they take that as a political aggression against the leadership.
deal with this in his life there. And so, uh, in verse 9, he begins by talking about this calamity that would fall upon them of God's judgment. And uh, it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord, that I will make the sun go down on, at noon, and I will darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentations. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like morning for an only son and its end like a bitter day. So he comes. This is this is basically the larger prophecy of Amos to the northern ten tribes of Israel. Um, and we see that um, he's coming and he's um, he's speaking about this calamity. And my first point in the sermon is that this this uh, this here famine of the hearing of the word of God that we see in verse at the end of verse eleven that this is first of all calamitous because of our starting condition. That is, uh, if we were starting from a position of strength, then we'd have that to rely on maybe. And so, if we had a, a famine of the word of God, it wouldn't devastate us maybe because we would. We would still have a lot to go on because of the way we started, because we started with a certain amount of spiritual strength. But that's that's why this the calamity of the word of God is such, after the hearing of the word of God, of the famine of the hearing of the word of God is such a calamity, because the human race doesn't start from a position of strength; it starts from a position of weakness. Uh, Adam and Eve fell into sin, and then the fall. And the, the, the weight of that sin was imputed to the rest of the race immediately. So every human being that starts, every baby that's born in this world starts out with a big problem. And we need remediation. We need help. We need therapy. But what happens if the Lord restricts that therapy? Well, we're throwing back more upon ourselves. And when he throws us back more upon ourselves, we're thrown back more upon superstition and weakness and evil devices, jealousies and all of that kind of thing. So here was the northern ten tribes of Israel were already not doing well. And Amos comes and he starts preaching about a famine of the hearing of the word of God. That was, that was a calamity. That was a calamity partly because of the starting position, the starting condition of the people of God in the north. Now secondly, we see that it's a calamity because of a certainty, because Amos announces this, he says, it's coming. He doesn't threaten this as a possibility, but he threatens this as an actuality. This is 700 years uh, before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And what we see is that this calamity of the famine of the word of God, it lasted for a long time. It started at this time from the heights of David and Solomon. Despite the problems that they had, it was a glorious time when the whole world in that, in that Middle Eastern area saw the beauty and the value of Israel, and they brought um, they brought uh, 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 tokens of their praise unto uh, Israel at that time, and so. But despite that, uh, the, the, uh, God prophesied that because the people had turned away from him, he would bring uh, this period of a scarcity of the word of God, or the hearing of the word of God. And so, uh, 
He said that it was going to come. And um, verse 11 says, Behold, first he announces this in verse 9, it shall come. Uh, there's no question about it. It shall come then. In verse 11 it says, Behold, the days are coming. So it's a calamity because of the certainty of its coming. Uh, thirdly, we see that it's a calamitous because of the Bible's instrumentality. Now that's a very fancy word, instrumentality. But an instrument is a tool. We use instruments for eating. You can call your knife and your fork an instrument for eating. Uh, if we want to make music, we, we use these things called instruments. They are the tools of our making music. Well, the Word of God is the main instrument that God uses to change our lives. There would be no preacher canonal if it weren't for the Word of God. There would be no church of the Lord Jesus Christ if, there were, if it were not for the Word of God. The Word of God in the prophecy of Ezekiel, remember? The, the, the God breathes and the breath of God blows upon this valley of dry bones. And the dry bones begin to take on flesh. And they are they picked up and they, they become living creatures. All of that happens because of the Word of God. The Word of God breathes upon the dead. And the dead comes to life. That is the way that the Word of God acts. This is a tool not to change a tire. We know what a tire wrench is. We know that if you have a flat tire, you take you start with your tire wrench, you get, get the tire off, then you can take the tire and get it fixed. Or maybe you have a portable pump in your car, or maybe you have something that will seal the leak right there. All of these are tools by which you can fix the tire. Well, the main way that we fix ourselves is by using the Word of God. And if a wrench can turn a nut, the Word of God can affect people who are a little nutty in terms of their philosophy of life and their confusions of life. But if what if there's a famine of the Word of God? Or what if there's a famine of the hearing of the Word of God? All of a sudden, you have a calamity because the main tool that God has given you to affect your lives, to change your lives, to better your lives, the main tool is no longer there. There's a calamity because of the absence of the main tool, of the main instrument that God has given us to affect us. And that's why at the time of the Reformation, uh, Luther talked about sola scriptura being one of the three main principles of the Reformation. Sola scriptura, the Bible alone, is that agency by which we can fix ourselves. The Bible is that which carries the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, God, the, the Bible is the one that is able to quicken us. We sang this morning in one of our songs already, our songs about the Word of God, Psalm 119, speaks of the Bible quickening the spirit of those who have fallen. And so if there's a famine of the hearing of the Word of God, it's calamitous. It's calamitous for the church at large. It's calamitous for you. That's why at the very beginning of the sermon, I, I emphasize the fact that, yes, we're preaching about a famine of the hearing of the Word of God, but uh, it's important that you think about how this affects you. This is not just a, a, a question or a problem for the, the, the group or the outside world. It's a problem for each one of us. Are we alive to the Spirit of God so that the Spirit of God can use the Word of God 
changes in our lives. And here God, through Amos, was prophesying to Israel. Israel had already deafened its ears to the word of God. They had willed, they had used their willpower against hearing the word of God. So God says, okay, you don't want to hear my word? I will send a famine upon the land. Not of food or not of water, but a famine of the hearing of the word of God. There is no calamity that mankind can be afflicted with, which, was, which is greater than this. If we have a famine of the hearing of the word of God, there is literally no hope for us because we are left to ourselves and uh, we have no we have no Bible within our own hearts that will encourage us in the gospel and encourage us in the existence of God. Our hearts are turned against the Lord. Even when we see the things of God out there manifest in the world, as Romans 1 says, even when we see these things, we turn against them. If now we have a famine of the hearing of the word of God, how calamitous will our calamity be? So this is a really bad thing. And, uh, yeah, and then fourthly, we see that it's calamitous because of its confusion. Verse 12 says, They shall wander from sea to sea, and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the world, the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. How else can we explain an American city like San Francisco that is now... Instead of living in houses, people are living on the street. Instead of using toilets, people are literally peeing and pooping in the streets. When people walk down, this, San Francisco has been, here in American history, one of the prettiest, most glorious cities in the land. What, what, and what was the agency that led this city to begin to fall apart? Who, who, who in their right mind, 50 years ago, who would have said that when you were walking down the streets of San Francisco, that you were going to have to dodge piles of human excrement? I mean, we're kind of offended by dogs when they poop in public, right? I mean, if you step in it, it's a bad day, right? And here we are, here we are reduced to human beings, modern Americans in the 20th century that, that don't appear to know where to deposit their deposits, you know? And so it's just in the street all over. What, what agency, what instrument, uh, what instrumentality has affected people to this degree? Well, we know that the city of San Francisco is infamous for being a city which has turned its heart and mind against the word of God. They, they glory out there in homosexuality. They think it's a great, uh, great device. Um, this practice which basically denies uh, the sexual relationships between men and women having children. Now how in the world are you going to have a great society if you stop having children? Now, of course, they say, well, we, we don't do that. We have artificial insemination. We have test, test tube babies. Well, the population of the world right now in the West is already going down because people have lost hope in having babies themselves. Hetero 
do you think the growth of homosexuality is going to do to our population, to our world? It's a total dead end. And yet, uh, an, intellectual, an intellectually proud city like San Francisco has held this up as the, as the uh, great way forward in mankind. And, and so God has just given them over to themselves. And now, now uh, the city which was once culturally proud, this is the city of Nancy Pelosi, one of the great leaders of our country, and now that city, can, they can't even contain their bowels. And they're spreading their filth uh, before them. They don't even have the capacity. they still got a certain amount of money. They're rich people out there. But they can't control themselves. They can't contain now, their own human filth as it's shed on the streets of the land. This is the result of a famine of the hearing of the word of God. Do we want this to spread to the rest of our country? It's already spread. I, I love the newscast, this conservative newscasters who will say, well, we better watch out because if we let this develop anymore, we're going to be in a real catastrophe. We're already in a great catastrophe. It's already here. The same kind of homelessness that we see in the West and some of these great cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles, it's come to, it's come to uh, Cincinnati. We have people living under bridges here, people that are so confused of mind that there's a scarcity of the hearing of the word of God. They wander from sea to sea, north to east. They run to and fro seeking the word of God, but they cannot find it. What if there's any common denominator of the modern world? It has to do with this confusion. Right now, the, the great political question that faces our leaders in America is, uh, well, one of the great questions is how do we contain the, uh, the threat of Russian aggression now in the Ukraine? Well, it's, it's really rather simple. And some of the conservatives have, have trumpeted this idea. Russia is a one horse, uh, has a one horse race. Russia runs on their, on their oil preserves. In other words, they don't have a lot of uh, industrial development, uh, that, like the, like the rest of the West. And, um, they, if they, if their oil pro, uh, industry is not going well, they, they can't be aggressive. Same thing with Iran. So what is the first thing that our government did? Uh, this is the most recent government did, but put uh, put the brakes on our oil production here in America. If we just produce more oil here, it, 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 the price of oil goes down, the price of gas goes down. Russia doesn't have the power to make war on the rest of the world. Iran doesn't have the power to make war on the rest of the world. So they, these things are really simple. It's like A, B, C. But obviously our leaders have not figured this out. Uh, we have this great threat with fentanyl coming into our country. It's a, a drug that is very deadly and toxic. What do we do? We need more scholars. We need more psychologists. We need more sociologists to help us figure out what to do with this problem at the border. Well, if we would just shut down the border like was being done, that solves the problem. But people don't, they can't figure these things out. They see a threat coming from over here and they look over here for a solution. There's a wandering, a mental wandering to and fro where people just cannot figure out what 
is the way that they should go. And we see here that the whole issue resounds or re, re, uh, re, resolves back to the issue of uh, worshiping the Lord. Having, figuring out a way to hear the word of God. Figuring out a way to know right from wrong. And, and God clears up our minds. God can either clear up the mind or God can give the mind over to confusion. And the, the, the origination of this confusion, or the core of this confusion, has to do with rightly hearing the word of God. That's why everyone here is the hope of America. You young people, you're the hope of America. If you get it straight, if you don't stop your ears to the hearing of the word of God, then you can you can you can really be bright and intelligent people. You know, if there's a problem with the border, you can say, wait a minute, I got a great idea. Let's get control of the border. <laughs> You'll appear like Einstein to the confusion of this modern day. If you give, uh, the Bible encourages us to, not, the Bible discourages us from having large and strong central governments. The Bible encourages us, it says if you can get free in Christ, then you can get free in your life. And if you get free in your life, then you can develop uh, the earth the way it was intended. You can Develop your businesses and your industries to utilize the good gifts that God has planted in the earth. So if, you, if your brain is developed based on the word of God, you can begin to see how you can be so helpful and how the how your civilization can go forward. But if you stop your word, ears against the word of God, the opposite occurs. And here in this case, God threatens the people with the certainty of the famine of the hearing of the word of the Lord. Obviously the solution to this is praying to God that he would be merciful, praying to God that he would open our ears to the Bible, praying to the Lord that he would open our ears to the gospel of Christ, repenting of these lives of ours that would live separate from him, taking of the intelligence that he has to give us by the word of God, and reversing this so that instead of a famine of the hearing of the word of God, we have uh, a, a reawakening of the hearing of the word of God. And a fertilizing of the word of God, a watering of the word of God, so that instead of a famine or a drought, we have the very opposite. We have the greenery that comes from water and food and nutrition and these kinds of things. And all of that comes to us through the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel and the word of God that he pointed us to in, in, the, in the gospel. So let us be agencies in our land, just like Amos was in his. Despite the animosity that's there against the hearing of the word of God, let us take it up anyway. Let us have faith in the Lord, that the Lord will prosper the things that he's given us. Let us have faith in our preaching that our teaching, that our works uh, will have a benefit. You may be a part of some company. You may see the solution of the company. And other people may not have the ears to hear it. Keep preaching. Uh, keep, uh, keep, uh, keep teaching. And uh, keep giving them examples of why this idea will really be a solution. And the Bible would say, per adventure, the Lord will give those hearing to hear the truth as it presents itself to them through your life because
because your life has been enlightened by the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel and the Holy Spirit. So we see here a great, uh, a great crisis that Amos preaches about, that he warns the people about. We also see, as a part of that sermon, we see the, the solutions. It's not a, it's not a dead issue. Seven hundred years later, after this sermon was done, our Lord Jesus Christ, despite all the darkness of the world, came into the world as a little baby. Why didn't, why didn't he come with the armies of the Lord? He came as a little baby to affect and to change all of us. Let us hope in him and in the gospel that he presents to us. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we pray that we might not have a famine of the hearing of the word of God. We pray that we might have just the opposite. We pray that we might have an abundance of the hearing of the word of God. We pray that thy spirit might strive with the spirit of mankind. We sang in the psalm at the very beginning of the service that there would be uh, that the kings of the earth would be glad to hear these truths from the living God. Oh God, we pray that that day might come. You've told us that it would come, and that's just as certain as this famine of the hearing of the word of God. We pray, oh Lord, that thy promises unto us of this great revival would afflict the world at some time, or affect the world at some time. We pray that that might come to pass. We pray that some of the young people in the congregation this morning, instead of facing obstacles and obstinance on the part of their neighbors and their governments, we pray, O oh Lord, that thy spirit might bring about that this day where even the kings of the earth are affected by the hearing of the word of God. And as the psalm said, they might delight in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.